you have to lose the fear of making a podcast with a story that you want to tell because one of the main reasons that you see uh, so many podcasts here is that people have lost the fear of talking with to a microphone and telling stories since podcasts are posted on the internet they're technically available anywhere on earth but that doesn't mean each country is at the same point in the advancement of podcasting i'm michael o'connell this is it's all journalism Welcome to a special podcast of It's All Journalism about uh, podcasting in uh, South America. I have two guests here in Washington, D.C. Can I ask you each to introduce yourselves? Hello, I'm Sebastián Payán. I'm from Colombia. I'm a podcast producer for the digital magazine Revista 070. Okay, and? I'm Thiago Rogero. I'm a Brazilian journalist. I work for a newspaper in Brazil. The name of the newspaper is O Globo. And I also hosted and produced a podcast about Afro-Brazilian history. The name of the show is Negra Voz. Okay, and, and I'm really excited about having the opportunity to talk to you. We you know, we met a week ago because you had a, a lot of questions about podcast in the U.S. And you, that's part of what this fellowship that you're you're on is that you're going around into different cities and you're talking to people. Can you tell me a little bit about the fellowship and who you've been talking to? So the fellowship is from the International Center for Journalists. So it's called a digital path for entrepreneurship. And they select 18 journalists from Latin America. And the idea is that these 18 journalists are hosted in different media across the U.S and they learn about the different interests. So Tiago and I were the one that were interested in podcasts. So we went two weeks to KQED and then two weeks here in WMU. So in each of those cities, we've met different producers, uh, the Bay Podcast, Bay Curious, Reveal, Gimlet. Here we met Dish City, What's with Washington. Uh, we also met with people from NPR, people from the PRX Podcast Garage. Today, explain with Box and the Washington Post and the Washington Post. Okay, so that's a pretty good cross section of what part of podcasting is in the United States. I think that you know, but that's a, a pretty good taste of the variety of content that's available. It, 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 did you see? I mean, well, let me back that before I start asking you about about your experience and, and what you learned. Maybe we can learn a little bit about what's going on in your countries in podcasting. Tell me each about that. Brazil right now, according to this uh, data that was released last week by Spotify, Brazil is the second country in the world, the second biggest market for podcast production in the world for Spotify, on, loses only to the US. Uh, right now, things are getting are getting better, are getting higher, the numbers are getting higher. For journalism, it's a good environment right now. Like the top 10 podcasts more listened to both in Apple and in Spotify are daily news shows and very well-produced daily news shows. Like in Spotify, the number one is Café da Manhã, which is a, a podcast made for Folha, from Folha, a Brazilian newspaper. And at Apple, the number one right now, it's O Assunto, a podcast made by TV Globo, which is the same company as O Globo. Like they have the same owner, but they are different companies. So it's an increasing environment. Things are getting better and more excited. There's a lot of room to grow. It's still far from the U.S., I think, in, in terms of like how 
people are actually consuming this. I don't know if we have... Yeah, we definitely don't have the, the same amount of people in Brazil consuming podcasts as here in the U.S., but we sure have a lot of people consuming it. And how about in Colombia? So, podcast is rising in Colombia. There's a lot of shows that have started to grow since around three years. The most listened podcast, it's when I work with as an editor, it's called dianauribe.fm and it has millions of downloads. But the thing is that the shows that come in second and third, there's a big gap, a huge gap amount of listeners. So the other issue is that although there are new podcasts every day in Colombia, most of them are talk shows or podcasts similar to traditional radio. You don't see a lot, a lot of podcasts about narrative, about telling stories, about sound design, or with sound design, I mean, you mostly see talk shows that you could hear on the radio. So you don't see a lot of difference between the radio and podcasts. And the other reason for that is that most of the podcasts come from outside the media. You don't see a lot of podcasts that are coming from the big media. They are coming from independent media or independent producers. I guess what you're saying on one level, you know, because you're not getting necessarily a variety of content that's all kind of the same thing, it's it's almost as if the podcast is just a different way to deliver radio content. Yeah, and even a lot of radio shows, they say that they have podcast but the only thing that they do is that they record the program and then they upload it without editing anything to the podcast feed and they say that's the podcast is it similar to that in brazil or, or is there sort of a greater depth of the type of content that you can you can listen to i think we have the two examples like we have the those cases of legacy media legacy radio medias that are just uploading its shows as podcasts, but those same medias, they also do like just podcasts for some, like they have contents that only air as podcasts. So they have this podcast format. It's not exactly the radio format. They are more light. They have the scripts, they have the, the sound designing. So we have those two examples. Like I think right now we are kind of in the middle of this transitioning to, to figuring out that podcast is completely different media, a completely different form of delivering content, of storytelling. But we already have a lot of good examples of podcasters in Brazil that are producing, seeing these as a different media, as a unique media. So how healthy is radio in your market? So they still a strong, well-supported medium or do you, in the U.S., like for commercial radio, there's been a decline because a lot of the people who would go to and listen to say FM radio, for example, were boomers. So as people get older, that audience continues to shrink and younger people aren't necessarily going to radio as their first audio platform. That's why they're greater adopters. So I guess my question was, do you see sort of that similar break? Yeah, we have that. And also, like, journalism as a whole is going through a crisis in Brazil. Like, even before when Brazil's economy was at its best moments, journalism was already going through a crisis. And we also have a different model there. That, like, we don't have public media as you have here in the U.S. Like, public in Brazil means that is funded by the government. So we don't have public stations of radio or TV or something like that. 
So these commercial radios, they are struggling. They are trying to figure out how to build new, new audiences. So what we have is that a lot of radios that used to play news, for example, that used to have news department, nowadays they only play gospel music, which is a very big market in Brazil. So what is it, you know, you've been, you've been here for a few weeks going to different markets on the, on the West Coast and the East Coast. You know, tell me about some of the conversations you've had, some of the things that you've learned. Well, I think we have learned a lot, but I think that I have seen like three big things. The first one is that in here, before uh, most uh, most of the times before you are, you talk about the content, you are thinking, how are we going to finance this idea? So that's something funny in the way that maybe in Colombia it works the other way around that in Colombia you would start doing the podcast and then you would start to think about how are we going to finance this project. The second part is that in here you see how is the public media and the the public media investing in podcasts. So we have seen that podcast has become here another um, opportunity for journalists in times of crisis. It's a new way of doing journalism, a more interesting way. And the third part is that in here, there's a really big interest in storytelling podcasts about how to, in a market that is so saturated here in podcasts that you see podcasts rising every day, all of the people that start to do their own podcast have to think, how am I going to be noteworthy in a market that every day you see new shows that are from different subjects, from different media. So you have to try really hard to do something new. And I would imagine, I might be a little different in Brazil, which it sounds like it's a more robust podcast economy, but I mean, certainly here, one of the challenges is that there are thousands of podcasts, thousands of different podcasts. How do you make yours, yours different? For example, if you you have a network like Gimlet, they're going to choose a certain type of podcast and they're going to think about the marketing of it from the very beginning and identifying who that audience is. They, they're not going to necessarily just create something because they want to create it. They're going to create something of specific end goal in mind. What would you like to see happen in each of your countries as far as podcasting goes? Well, at first I thought that when we were coming here to the U.S. that we were years behind the U.S. in terms of podcasts. But I think that we are not that far. I think that uh, I hope that two things happen. The first one is that we try to do more narrative and storytelling podcasts. That would be like the the biggest hope I have that you see more of those podcasts and more attention from the audience to those kinds of podcasts because there are but the audience is not preferring that kind of content. And second, I would hope that people try to find new content in podcasts that is available rather than hearing the same kind of podcast and radio show that they hear every day. Yeah, something original that's actually a podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what I would really hope is that companies or institutions or foundations uh, in Brazil were that interested in funding news as they are here in the U.S., at least, I don't know, 10% of this. Because this was the big difference that I, I've 
found out during this uh, period here that the processes are very similar. The way that some people are doing podcasts in Brazil are very similar to the way that people are doing here. The main difference is the amount of money that is available for funding the whole process. If you have more money, you have more time to think about things. You have the possibility to, to hire more people to the whole thing, the whole process. So I would really hope is that companies and foundations and everyone would be more interested in funding journalistic projects in Brazil because they are so important for the democracy and all of that. And we don't have this type of funding nowadays for podcasts in Brazil. The only grants, for example, that are available are the ones from the US or Europe and things like that. And only a few in Brazil. Now, I, I know you mentioned a little while ago about like public media and public support, and I think that's kind of what you're talking about, that there's funding available that way through grants, through through foundations, et cetera. On the other hand, there are a lot of very, very successful podcasts that are for-profit podcasts that are commercial. Joe Rogan's the one everybody points to. That's, he has a huge audience. He sells commercials. He, you know, sponsorships, et cetera. And so I guess that that would be sort of where you guys are at, your model is right now, is that you're trying to create content that's going to get supported commercially? Yeah, trying to get to, but still like only the, the, the biggest players in the market, they were the only ones to obtain like uh, advertisers or underwriting in their shows. It's still like the advertisers, they are not looking to podcast as a media where they, they can announce at this moment, at least you need a big audience as well that kind of works against the more you know niche podcasts that may not generate a huge audience but of course there are ways to market to that so is there anything that that really kind of surprised you about the people you talk to gimblin media surprised me because it was really similar to the business model of 070 podcast that is the podcast production company that we have in the magazine because we have our original content and we have a client based content a content that is paid by a client so i think that that talk with with lauren was really exciting to see that we are right now doing a business model in podcast that it's the one that gimlet media was successful for and hopefully that would mean that you're successful. When you say that it's got a client, is it is it sort of a business-to-business type of, or yeah. creating content specifically for the client? Yeah, well, the idea is that because we work in a university, we have a lot of connections with different departments in the university. So we could go to the Department of Social Studies and they have a research that they want to published in a different language. So they say that they want to produce a narrative podcast about that story. So we read the story and we propose a podcast show for them that we could produce and they paid us for the production of the show. Let's talk a little bit about audience. What can you tell me about the people who listen to your podcast? I hope that they would be more interactive. I mean, we've had shows that are really successful and one other shows that aren't that successful, but we don't know much about that audience. I think that that's another part that amazed us during the trip is that we've met a lot of people from social engagement and engagement editors, and that's like a really important thing here. And most of the podcasts that are produced 
people just produce it and then it is on the first chart or maybe not, but people don't study the audience the way we should. Yeah, that's actually one of the neat things about podcasting is you can kind of get a, if you look at the analytics, you can get a sense of who your audience is, but you can even go further through social media, through surveys, you know, having these sort of conversations with your audience to understand what their needs are, and what their wants are, and create content for them. I think this is something that came up in our discussion when we talked last week that, you know, word of mouth is still the best way for podcast growth. So, you know, how do you get people to share what a great podcast it is. That's why it's so important to, to put that kind of engagement out there. So, you know, you're going back to South America, you're going back to your countries. What are you going to be telling the people who you work with about, you know, this is what we really need to be focusing on. This is how, what we should change, what we're doing, or, or are you going to say, oh, everything's perfect. We're just continue doing what we're going to do. What I figured is that, like, and I was not expecting for that, but there is not a handbook for anything. There's not a, like, just follow these rules and your podcast is going to be very successful. There's just about trying a lot of different ways of trying, a lot of different ways of trying engagement, of developing engagement with your audiences. So I think I'm going to, to bring home a lot of different ideas of how to obtain that engagement, to speak more more clearly to, to my audience, more directly to it. This is the main thing, I think, uh, because as I said, the processes are very similar right now. We are at that point of development of the production part, but I think we still have a lot of a lot to grow in terms of engagement, in terms of building a more complex and more direct maybe relationship with our audience. I think that for me, the most important lesson I want to bring back is that you have to lose the fear of making a podcast with a story that you want to tell. Because one of the main reasons that you see so many podcasts here is that people have lost the fear of talking with to a microphone and telling stories. And people judge really easily and really fast podcasts in Colombia. We published a story around two months ago about issues that women podcast producers face when they produce their own shows and how they were judged differently instead of men. And those kinds of things restrict the opportunity to hear new shows, to hear new stories. So the main lesson for me would be like people would forget the fear of telling stories through podcasts. You talk to a lot of different people. I assume you've heard some new podcasts, new types of podcasts that you're here. What are some of the ones that kind of stood out to you? Well, there's a lot. Outside the WMU and KQD that each of those stations has great podcasts that we met, I think that Reveal was one of the most interesting one because it was one that I didn't know about. I heard it because of Tiago and it's the idea about how to do a weekly almost documentary in podcasts with original music in investigative reporting. And that's something that you don't hear now and then. And the other one that really impacted me was Today Explained from Box, because it's a podcast that knows that there is a oversaturated market of daily podcasts and is trying to do something different to be leading in that market. Yeah, review was also very impressive. 
we got to know the sound engineer and also composer for one of them, Fernando Arruda, which is also a Brazilian, a Brazilian guy. But like this podcast that I discovered here that I really loved and it's one of my favorites now, it's Spooked, which is a spin-off from Snap Judgment. And for me, this was something that I was looking for. I already know that those types of podcasts exist, like because it's not a fictional one. It's kind of in the middle between a, a journalistic one and a fictional one. They are just spook stories. And I really love the gender, like the, not, the, not the gender, the, the genre. genre. Yeah, the genre. Horror movies and stories like that. So for me, it was very interesting. And it's something that it's really hard because we are doing podcasts and we work with that. We have to listen to a lot of shows. So I, every day I listen to a lot of shows, but ended up being something that was a pleasure for me. It was all about just work and work and work. And Spooked made me like feel happy about listening to a podcast again. Because I was just feeling the pressure of, oh, getting to know this new format. Just memorizing things and thinking about ways and spooked. I just enjoyed from from start to finish. So I think it's the main one that I'm taking home and saying, oh, you have to you have to listen to this. And of course, a lot of good journalistic podcasts that I don't know of. And now I became a fan. But I think spooked was like the main thing for me. Yeah, you and I can have a record another podcast about horror. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about our favorite <laughs> our favorite horror. I really feel bad, you know, as I'm sort of working toward to wrapping this up. But, I, you know, I, I didn't do a good job of really getting a sense of what, what your podcasts are like. Tell me about the, what your podcasts are like, the ones that you produce. The name is Negra Voice. is a special series in a documentary format about Afro-Brazilian history. We are more than half of Brazilian population, us, the Afro-Brazilians. Even though our story is not told at all at schools and at media, so I decided to do this podcast about our characters from the past and the present. We have five episodes. We had five episodes for the first season. All of them were heavily produced. It's a result of one year working on that, producing, and we have these different characters, such as the first women in Brazil, the first actress to ever be nominated to an international movie award, Ruth de Souza. She recently passed away, but I was able to interview her just a few months before she died, and it's a very special episode. So it's more about that, about telling this story who has not been told at all until this day. And we are having some good results right now. I'm, I'm really happy about it. We had just been featured by Apple Podcasts, which has been great because now we are in the top charts in Brazil. So it's basically about that. For the next year, I'm planning to do a second season of it and also developing different projects are going to come. How about you? So as I told you, I work for the digital magazine Zero Setenta, and we have a podcast production company that is called Zero Setenta Podcast. And so far, we've produced eight shows. Some of them continue because we develop them by seasons, like Netflix. So most of them are on the third or fourth season. Some of them have already ended. And right now, somehow, we're developing four new shows that are going to start next year. And as I told you, it was really interesting to see that we have a, such an interesting model that next year we are 
going to be one of the main narrative podcast production companies in the country. Wow. So is there any way for people, I mean, obviously, our podcast is heard all over the world. I, I hear from people from, from Australia and, and Europe. Is there any way for people to listen to your podcast? Yeah. So people could look in any podcast platform that they use. They could type 070 or 070 in numbers and then podcast with an S at the end. How about you? Yeah, people can listen to Nigger Voz, but it's in Portuguese. But if you want to try, just Google Negra Voice, that it's kind of N-E-G-R-A space V-O-Z, Negra Voice. And then just try to listen. You can, If you don't understand Portuguese, then you can have at least some idea of the content. And also I'm going to turn the, the scripts available online so someone can, I don't know, throw it in Google Translate it and try to follow up through the script. Yeah, well, you should do it as like a, so people can learn how, learn how to speak Portuguese. Yeah, this is a good idea. That is a good idea. The, you know, do it as a, a translation service. Sebastian, Diego, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks Thank for you. having us. As I wrap up, I wanted to uh, once again thanks WAMU for allowing us to use their facilities. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, why not sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter? you get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming interviews. Go to itsalljournalism.com to subscribe. It takes a lot of people to create an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. Amelia Brust helped with our booking. Nicholas Hunter provided a web assist. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening. <laughs>